Thanks for checking out the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. We continue to highlight the plight of people who rely on ODSP. Downtown Hamilton will be rocking this weekend. Are you rushing out to get the new iPhone? Gen Z slang is throwing many of us for a loop. Believe it or not, the Buffalo Bills are Super Bowl favorites. And Disney Plus Day has arrived. The GMH podcast starts now. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. I'm going to be able to go back to my life in in two weeks. Um, but f- people have to live through this each and every day, and uh, and to wa- look at the cost of food and how much things have gone up um, when you're on that tight budget. It's uh, it's pretty dark. That is Hamilton Mountain NDP MPP Monique Taylor, a guest of ours on yesterday's Good Morning Hamilton. Welcome back to the show. She is one of five new Democrat MPPs who's undertaking a so-called social assistance diet for the next couple of weeks. If you missed the interview yesterday, it's in our podcast, wherever you get your favorite podcast. But basically, over the next couple of weeks, she and these four other MPPs are going to minimize their spending when it comes to groceries. Now, this is just one part of life. Obviously, it's a big part of it because everyone needs food. But for the next two weeks, they're going to be able to spend up to $95.21, a reality for those who are on ODSP. That's about $47 a week on groceries. Dave Lepofsky is the chair of the Accessibility for Ontarians with Disabilities Act Alliance, spearheading a campaign for greater accessibility. Dave, welcome back to the show. How are you? Good to talk to you. I want to ask you this. What do you think about these politicians undergoing this social assistance diet? Listen, I think it really helps. I think the premier should do it, and I think five members of his cabinet should do it as well. If they stand behind the the paltry sub-poverty ODSP rates that they think are sufficient, they should prove it by living on it themselves. Uh, you got to remember, this is the same government, and and it's important. We're not being partisan about this. They're, they got elected to power. They wanted to be in power. This is the price of power is, 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 uh, is leading. But when the when the uh, when COVID hit, the government rallied uh, to provide funding for small business that were in trouble. And that was good. I'm not speaking against that. But they were far more quick to act and far more generous with the public purse than for vulnerable people with disabilities who can't work who are living well below the poverty line on ODSP, so much so that 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 we actually, in a sort of quip of, of admitted um, flourish of rhetoric, said maybe people with disabilities on ODSP should declare themselves to be small businesses to get Doug Ford to, <laughs> to pay attention. Well, the sad thing is, I'm not sure sad is the word, uh, bewildering might be another, is that the government is beating its chest over the 5% hike in ODSP payments. Now, you know, great that it's going up, but 5% is an extra $58 a month. That doesn't amount to much. Well, that's that's exactly the point. Listen, something's better than nothing, and it was after three years of, of, of not raising it at all. Uh, but uh, here's the thing. It's there's multiple harms that uh, are going on here. The first is obviously leaving leaving, uh, people, vulnerable people with disabilities uh, who can't work, who qualify for ODSP uh, under the circumstances uh, for, uh, to live on sub poverty social assistance. 
um, is itself, frankly, just uh, uh, cruel. And it's something which which I think the good people of Ontario uh, don't, wouldn't approve. The second thing is, uh, one of the things necessary to get out of poverty is, is this, but we also need to give people with disabilities uh, a better chance to, to live in society. That means tearing down the barriers we face. Um, I and my, my colleagues in the disability rights movement fought for a decade to win the unanimous passage of the Accessibility for Ontarians with Disabilities Act in 2005. It requires the government to lead us to become a, an accessible province uh, for people with disabilities by 2025. That's uh, just a couple of years from now. And the fact is, the government's done, successive governments have done just such a poor job of implementing that law that they unanimously voted for, uh, that we're not going to make that deadline. We're not even close. And the third cruelty, and this is this is just jaw-dropping. You've heard of so-called medical assistance in dying. That's where doctors are permitted to kill their patients uh, because the patient um, is said to have asked for them to kill their patients. Well, that it's really medical assistance and suicide. Let's call it what it is. But there's we're hearing increasingly, and the media is reporting increasingly, on some people on ODSP whose life is so bleak that they're actually considering um, or seeking medical assistance in suicide. That We need to make it easier to live with a disability, not easier to die because of your disability. Dave, we have 90 seconds, and I wanted to ask you about that. The reality of those who are on ODSP, it's fine that these politicians are doing this, and I applaud them for you know shining a spotlight on it and, and trying to live at least a sliver of the life that those who are on ODSP have uh, uh, are, are facing. In a minute, what is the reality for those who are on this program? The reality is you've got uh, just a little over 1100 bucks to uh, pay your rent, buy food, uh, buy clothing, buy medications, uh, buy a mask if you don't want to get COVID, uh, uh, masks and so on, buy everything. No one can live like that. It is not just poverty. It is well below the poverty line. It certainly is, Dave. Uh, Let's hope uh, this conversation changes the conversation going forward. Appreciate your time today, and thanks for fighting the good fight. Thanks for covering this. Dave Lepofsky is the chair of the Accessibility for Ontarians with Disabilities Act Alliance. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. This weekend is one of the highlights all summer long, citywide, really province-wide, and probably internationally too. I'm sure some Americans are going to want to come up to Hamilton for Super Crawl, which kicks off tomorrow and again on Saturday and Sunday on James Street North here in Hamilton. Here to discuss it and give us the 411 and what is going down this year is Lisa LaRockup. She's the Director of Operations for Sonic Onion, uh, the group behind Supercrawl. Lisa, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I am well. How are you? Not too bad. Do you have, uh, I don't know, pregame jitters, butterflies? What do you, how do you feel? Uh, I mean, we always do, but uh, we're prepared and uh, yeah, we just hope we've organized everything at this point that it, uh, it goes off without a, without a problem. It usually does though, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Problems are very, usually very minor. Yeah. What's new this year? Um, this year, well, first of all, we're very excited to be back on the street uh, and back, you know, full scale. Um, this year, we've got a couple new things 
I won't give away all of them, but we've got a really cool uh, family stage uh, done by a, a group called Squonk. Um, so you'll see some huge purple hands out on the street and they'll be doing some performances. I'm really excited about that. It's going to be quite uh, quite the spectacle. We uh, had the co-artistic director of Squonk on the show, uh, I want to say a couple of weeks back. And yeah, he gave us the info on what it looks like and how crazy of a show it is. And I think uh, people who come to Supercrawl this weekend are going to be thoroughly entertained because that's something unique, something different that most people haven't seen. And for you guys to offer it is going to be, I think, it's going to open a lot of people's eyes. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's going to be really cool. I don't think people are expecting it because we've never had anything like that before. And it's, you know, family friendly. It'll be really exciting. Because you guys are back on the street once again, and thankfully so, because the show is going to be, I think, bigger and better than ever. When it comes to the expected attendance, is the expectation going to be bigger and better than ever? Well, we know uh, this season all festivals have kind of had record attendance. People are excited to get out, especially outdoor events. People are comfortable, more comfortable coming to outdoor events uh, in huge numbers. So we are expecting large crowds. And uh, yeah, we're excited for, for everybody to come down. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is Lisa LaRocca, the Director of Operations at Sonic Onion. We talk about Super Crawl. You can get the lineup of the musicians, the artists that are going to be performing and have their installations on James Street North online at supercrawl.ca. It all kicks off tomorrow, and it's the focus of our Good Morning Hamilton Summer Cruising Series today and this weekend. Is there a highlight for you this coming weekend that you're you're really looking forward to, whether it's an artist or uh, some kind of public art or maybe part of the fashion showcase that you can't wait to see? Yes, the fashion showcase is what <laughs> wow. I was going to say, actually. Um, yeah, I, I help a little bit with the fashion programming, and we've got a great lineup. Um, that stage is on Vine Street, just off of James, um, and we've got great things going on there. So there's some dance programming on that stage as well, some amazing local fashion designers doing shows, um, and we've got uh, three drag shows this year, uh, two on Friday night and one uh, in the afternoon on Sunday. So that's a really happening zone. And I'm really excited about all the programming. on. Very there. cool. As one of the key people organizing this huge show shows, really, I mean, it's a multi-day event. Do you get to enjoy it or are you always kind of fretting and stressing and wondering what might go wrong? There's definitely a lot going on. I usually make note of all the things that are must-sees uh, and try to try to catch them. And, you know, if nothing throws me a surprise, I usually get to most of the things that I want to at least check out a couple minutes of before I have to run away. <laughs> for, for, the, uh, for the very few people who have not been to a super crawl in the past, what, what, are, what have they been missing? Just a, a whole celebration of all artistic disciplines in, in Hamilton and in our local community. Um, I mean, obviously, the music stages are a big draw, but there's visual artists, theater performances, fashion, um, vendors, food trucks, um, all kinds of stuff, all of the businesses on the street, the restaurants will be doing uh, some fun things as well. So there's just something for everybody, a full family zone, um, something for everybody and definitely a lot to explore and experience. Lisa, I would imagine, you know, the popularity of Supercrawl, the... Um, the, the audience it attracts year in and year out. I, I would think it's it, it it's gotten easier and easier to bring artists to the stage or the fashion showcase or, you know, have those public art installations. Is the conversation really easy with these individuals? 
Um, we do local calls for all of the artistic disciplines every year. And obviously we've seen um, high demand for those calls, a lot of applications for all of the zones. Um, it is though for kind of for everybody involved, it's always a long weekend and a lot of work. So um, people do keep that in mind. Uh, but but yeah, we we have a lot of people interested, obviously, in being part of Supercrawl, and we try to include as many of them as we can every year. It's an amazing uh, three day weekend of music, fun, food trucks, craft vendors, public art, fashion, you name it, it's there, and it is one of the highlights of the year. For uh, any calendar, whether it's a public event or not, Supercrawl is at the top of the list. Lisa, really appreciate your time uh, this morning. Best of luck this weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun. Thank you so much. It absolutely is going to be a lot of fun tomorrow, Saturday, and Sunday. And one of the best parts about Supercrawl, besides the amazing music and uh, art installations that you're going to see, the the fashion shows, the theater, um, live readings, talks, all that kind of stuff, food trucks, craft vendors, is that it's free. I mean, that's that's the best part about it. It's absolutely free. There's no charge to go down and have a fantastic time. And it's going to be, weather-wise, a super weekend for one and all to enjoy. No need to bring umbrellas. You might want to slap on some sunscreen, especially for out during the day. But otherwise, it's going to be a fantastic weekend in downtown Hamilton. And all kicks off tomorrow. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. If you haven't heard, Apple has launched its newest version of the iPhone. It's up to number <laughs> up to number 14. Yes, the iPhone 14 has been launched. Carmi Levy is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton. Carmi is a technology analyst and a journalist and a great friend of the show. Welcome back, Carmi. How are you? Good to be back, Rick. Although I have to admit, I am uh, I am sadly using my older iPhone. I have not gotten the new one yet. <laughs> not, not available to Apple fans for a few, few more days. At first glance of the new iPhone 14, what comes to mind? You know, they are the best phones in iPhone history, and that's sort of the same story every year. Every year they they add a few more features to it. They shuffle the lineup a bit, and you know, throw in a few new colors and call it a day. And and, of course, everyone will go crazy. This is the most important quarter of the Apple's fiscal year, so that's why they introduced them in September. So from that perspective, they're really impressive, and lots of people will buy them. But, you know, the question then becomes, uh, you know, is this, you know, should I run out and replace my iPhone that I bought last year? You know, these are tough times. I'm not quite sure. So, I mean, you know, the thing that, that sticks with me is, um, if you uh, wanted the cheapest iPhone, it just got a little bit more expensive because they don't sell a mini anymore. Um, the, the the basic iPhone is now the iPhone 14. You can't buy a mini. The 14 basically uses most of the same sort of processor guts technologies as the iPhone 13 from last year, and they sell it for the same price. Um, the the Pro models a little bit different, uh, and that's where kind of most of the exciting changes are focused. The camera's much better, 48 megapixels instead of 12, so photographers are going to really like it. Um, it has the, the notch that everyone was kind of raging about when it was first introduced a few years ago has been replaced by, it's, it's a smaller notch for the camera and the sensors on the front screen. They call it a dynamic island because this is Apple and they have to have cool names for everything. <laughs> 
basically what it means is that little animations will pop in and out as you minimize windows, as you open and close apps, as you do different things, as you check notifications. Um, it looks kind of cool, but again, would I run out and get rid of my existing phone just so that I can have those notifications? No. If I were in the market to buy another iPhone and it had them, I would take it. But again, I'm not putting myself into debt for these things. Yeah, so for those who do have the financial wherewithal to do so, because these things aren't cheap, uh, would would an iPhone 11 or, or an X or 10, if you have one of those, maybe you should consider a 14? Well, yeah, and, and I think you know we sort of have to look at what we're currently using and ask ourselves the critical question, is it doing what we want us to do for us? So in other words... Is the battery still holding? Does it still run the apps that I need it to run? Am I frustrated using it? Am I constantly fiddling with it? Or does it just fade into the background and, you know, get the job done? Uh, if the answer is the latter, then you probably don't need to upgrade. If the answer is the former uh, and, you know, you are spending more time on care and feeding, maybe it's time to start looking at, at, at a new phone. Um, a lot of it comes down to time. When you buy an Apple phone, the company will support it. Uh, with uh, with updates for about five to seven years. Uh, in fact, if you have an iPhone 6S, you're still getting um, um, updates, and that phone went on sale in 2015, seven years ago. So, you know, th- this you know, for a lot of people, older phones still doing the trick. But uh, if you're constantly charging the thing and you're looking for a wall outlet in the middle of the day, uh, and your phone is approaching that, you know, three, four five years maybe, uh, or it's even older and it's no longer getting updates, now's probably a good opportunity to do so. Even if it is working and it's older than that and it's not getting those security updates, you probably will want to replace it because you are at increased risk of a cyber attack. We're talking about uh, Apple's new iPhone 14 with Carmi Levy, technology analyst and journalist on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. So how much do these things cost? Well, you know, you used to be able to buy a Mini for $949, and that was your entry-level price. Well, that has now gone up because the Mini doesn't exist. The cheapest iPhone now, the iPhone 14, is 1099 Canadian, plus taxes and all that other good stuff. If you want a Pro, which has the better camera, uh, has the faster processor, has that funky-looking uh, dynamic island uh, and all that good stuff uh, and a better screen, um, that'll be 1249 to start. And then, of course, it gets more expensive if you want to have more storage on it. Uh, the all-singing, all-dancing iPro Max with the big screen and all the high, higher-end features starts at, at $1,549, again, pretty dear. Hmm. Uh, and you can take it all the way up to it if you want to. You can spend 2239 on an iPhone, and that's before tax. I'll, I'll remind everyone. So, uh, <laughs> premium price devices. Um, but I've been speaking to a lot of people lately who, especially because of inflation, uh, interest rates, uh, overall job uncertainty, basically economic headwinds that are affecting us all, they're looking at their phones, going, eh, "It's already paid off, so my monthly bill has come down, um, and and it's still working, so I'm going to hold on to it a little bit longer." So, again, if I were in the market for a phone. I'd be buying one of these likely because everyone I know has an iPhone and I'm kind of hooked on Apple services. Uh, Those are a value to me, but uh, I wouldn't toss my old iPhone just because these phones are out. Uh, really quick, we only have about a minute. I wanted to ask you about the the Rogers outage and the fallout. Months after it, the Canadian telecom companies have finally banded together to offer emergency roaming. Is this the right answer? Well, it's part of the right answer, and this is in response 
to industry minister Francois-Philippe Champagne's order that basically the telecoms get together and figure it out so that we don't have the same situation where 911 service goes down and people can't call emergency services. This should have been in place before. It wasn't. They got caught with their pants down, and this is the result of it. So they've sat in a room, decided this is what's going to happen next time there's an outage, because there will be an outage next time. But at least now they'll be able to help each other, because last time Bell offered Rogers, hey, what can we do for you? And Rogers said, we're not equipped for that. Sorry, can't do anything. And 911 stayed dark. So it's a good move uh, on their part, but the government ordered them. And it's only the first step among many. We've got a long way to go before Canadians can feel assured that telecoms have their back when it comes to large-scale outages. I agree. Always informative and entertaining when we chat with Carmi Levy. Carvey, thank you for the time today. Enjoy your day. Great being here, Rick. Thanks so much. That's technology analyst and journalist Carmi Levy. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. This really caught my eye and my ear. There is a survey out that shows 42% of adults over the age of 35. So that's you, boomers. That's you, Gen Xers. I'm in that category. That's you, millennials. 42% of adults over the age of 35 can't, not won't, can't understand the slang used by Gen Z. Gen Z is the, well, among the youngest age group, age 10 to 25. This group of individuals using slang that, well, it it's, sounds like another language. We have no idea what Gen Z is saying. Both of my kids are in Gen Z, and, you know, I can understand what they're saying, but when they, when they whip out these slang terms, I'm like, what? What does that mean? Say that again? Uh, with more on this survey and Gen Z slang, here's Global's John Jang. We now return to the thrilling conclusion of Gen Z Hospital. Bro, nobody's telling us anything. Is Bestie gonna be okay? Nurse, we demand to know how our Bestie is doing. I'm sorry, bro. I told you I don't have that information yet. <laughs> Bruh, seriously? I'm so pressed right now, bro. Don't be pressed. The doctor will be in shortly, bro. <laughs> Yo, if this doctor keeps leaving us on red, he's gonna catch hands on gang. No, 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 no. It's gonna be okay. Bestie cannot die like this. Big facts. She's gonna make it, bro. If you didn't understand anything that was said in the past 30 seconds, it means you're not Gen Z. But don't worry, you're not alone. A new survey by the mobile shop showed that 42% of adults over 35 say they just don't understand what young people are saying when using slang. But fear not, because today our dedicated research team poured through the data. They want to help you understand the new workforce. The leaders of tomorrow are builders of the future. Welcome to Understanding Z. Here's lesson number one. That's cap. Taylor knew that. That's cap. I, I accuse you of capping. Cap, or the more commonly used variant, no cap. It basically means when you're not lying. That would be no cap. And logically, when something is a lie or is not true, that would be cap. So here's an example. Yo, that food was super good. No cap. The earliest definition of no cap was introduced on Urban Dictionary back in early 2018. So this one's been around for a while, but it's still a very popular term. You're going to see it everywhere on social media, specifically TikTok. Here's lesson number two. What's nine plus ten? Twenty-one. <laughs> 
Hey, that's kind of sus. <laughs> Get it? Sus? Like um Among Us? Sus? The, the joke? Sus, which is a short form version of suspicious, but can also be used to describe something that seems dishonest, questionable, or just all around not great. So here's an example. See if you can pick it up. Hi there, can I help you? Yes, I'm gonna get a PC got. Mine's high-key sus. It's literally slower than a boomer. This word exploded onto the scene with the success of the video game called Among Us in 2020. Uh, you can basically consider words like shady or untrustworthy as capable alternatives, but sus has its own place. On to lesson number three. Times that life hits different. Being at school when it's dark, that AM grind. Hits different. This is used when something is significantly better than usual or is way better under specific circumstances. Here's another example. Yo, these onion rings just hit different. I feel there's a lot of versatility with this term and it basically speaks on the impact that something has on you. And that something can be anything from food to music, life experiences and everything in between. If something truly impressed you, you can say that it hits different. Moving on. Hey, do you wanna get some food? I bet. Five Guys or Chipotle, what do you think? I bet. That's not really a conclusive answer. Which one do you want? I bet. Okay, now you've probably heard this one. It's a very commonly used phrase, bet. It's an alternative way to say all right or okay. It's basically a confirmation to a statement, question, or a challenge. When this quarantine is over, let's go on a trip. Bet. Like, yes, definitely. For some people, it's got a similar usage and versatility as saying, oh, I bet, I bet. But it certainly has its own nuances. All right, we're gonna wrap this all up with one more term that you gotta know. First of all, graphic tees and hats. Phrases on clothing, chuggy. Herbal essence shampoo, chuggy. The word you never knew you needed. This one was new even to me. Chuggy. It means when something is outdated or when something or someone is trying too hard, it is most commonly referred to in relation to millennials because although millennials grew up as the pioneers of social media and having a cell phone in our teens, Gen Z finds the predecessor's habits and styles to be cringe, so they are now chuggy. Chuggy is the hashtag blessed. It's a big straw hat on a social media friendly beach and it's any Instagram caption containing Taylor Swift lyrics. It's a word that describes the things that Generation Z finds embarrassing about millennials. To be chuggy is to be uncool, outdated, and trying too hard. There you have it, a few of the terms, phrases that Gen Z like to use in their everyday sort of vernacular. Uh, maybe this helps you understand them better. If you have kids that are Gen Z, if you're gonna hire Gen Z as new staff members, it helps if you're able to just communicate using language that they're probably more familiar with, more comfortable with. Even if in a work environment, it doesn't seem like the appropriate time to use it, it's okay. None of these terms are derogatory by any means. The best way to learn, though, is to just dive into it. Of course, social media, things like TikTok, most of the trending videos are going to be made by Gen Z. So don't feel like it's a weird thing to get into it. This is the future, whether you like to admit it or not. That is Global's John Jang. That report, I got to say, really hit different. Bet. No cap. John Jeff John is definitely not chuggy. I'll say that. All right, that's that's about the extent of my <laughs> Gen Z slang. I've been bugging my kids the last couple of days using their slang words and like, "Come on, dad, stop it. No. 
Like really getting angry. I was getting under their skin. <laughs> I was just having a great time. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Big night for the National Football League tonight. It is 2022 season kickoff night at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles where the defending Super Bowl champion Rams will host this year's championship favorites, at least according to oddsmakers, the Buffalo Bills. And again, it's also the focus of our Twitter poll question today at AM900CHML. Is this the Bills' year? They going all the way. 56% say no, 44% say yes. Adam Kilgore is a sports reporter with the Washington Post and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Adam, good morning. How are you? Good. Good morning to you. Uh, You've written uh, an article in the Post, five predictions for an NFL season that's more unpredictable than ever. Before we get to that, I want to ask you about these Buffalo Bills. Are you buying what the Bills are selling? Well, yes, for sure. I mean, you you have to love their position. Um, Josh Allen is, you know, one of the uh, very best quarterbacks, one of the very most important players in the entire NFL, has only gotten better and better every year of his career, is coming off um, two of really the, the best quarterbacking performances the NFL playoffs have ever seen, which sounds like hyperbole, but when you look at the numbers and, and what he accomplished, uh, it's really it's really not. It's just kind of factual. Um, and they did lose um, some receivers, but I think they're really well positioned to replace those receivers. I think Gabe Davis is going to have a big year. I think Isaiah McKenzie is going to step up into his role um, and be just fine. Um, you know, on defense, I think early on they're going to have to overcome the injury uh, on the outside of Jadavious White, but um, still, this is you know, I think they're. I think they're a Super Bowl favorite for a reason. That being said, it's hard to be too confident about any team in the AFC just because it's such a gauntlet uh, of great teams and especially great quarterbacks. So, um, I, I do think the Bills are rightfully the favorite. I don't think they're a strong favorite just because of how competitive their conference is going to be. Um, even though their division within that conference should be theirs quite easily. Some of the predictions you're making in your article, uh, Trevor Lawrence of the Jacksonville Jaguars is going to throw for 4,500 yards. Another quarterback, Kirk Cousins of the Vikings, is going to lead the league in passing yards. The three other ones I really find interesting, including the seismic wide receiver deals. We saw some big deals, big contracts signed by wide receivers in the NFL. They will produce minor changes. How so? Sure. So I think, you know, you look at the history of the NFL, you know, it's very hard to find a receiver who was acquired and had a real catalytic transforma- transformational effect on a franchise. Um, I think in your backyard in Buffalo, the, the best argument against that might be Stephon Diggs. But even then, you know, how much you give credit for Diggs for that big jump to Bills made that in his first season there, and how much you credit just the fact that it was a huge leap for Josh Allen, how are those things connected. You know, that, that's one example that might go against my argument. But I think in general, you know, wide receivers, um, as much as the market for them has exploded, those are players who sort of add to a team. They don't transform a team. And I think the way that the Miami Dolphins and Las Vegas Raiders went after um, Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams, two of the best receivers in the league, the, the price they paid for those players, you know, multiple first-round picks, signing them to $30 million a year extensions, um, those, aren't, those aren't sort of like deals you make to improve your team. Those are, those, those are deals you make to totally – change your entire franchise. Um, and I just don't think the history of the NFL shows us that receivers have that singular effect on teams. And so we'll have to love to see how that plays out. Maybe the NFL is changing to the point where they do make that difference because of the way they, they change the geometry of the field because of the way they improve their quarterbacks. Um, 
But I think if you look at history, you, you have to bet against those, you know, being uh, franchises that are just, you know, different as opposed to just like a little bit better. I think that, you know, the Dolphins and Raiders are certainly improved by those players being there. I don't know if it's going to really change their fortune um, in a huge, huge way. Yeah, I agree with you there. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, Adam Kilgore, sports reporter with the Washington Post. He's made five predictions for an NFL season that's more unpredictable than ever. You can check it out online in the Washington Post. Another of your predictions, the 49ers are going to win the NFC. What? What uh, is it is the Trey Lance factor? Is it the defense? Is it the Shanahan factor? What are you liking about the 49ers? So I think primarily, you know, as, as strange as their offseason has been, you, you know, it, you know, after they bring back Jimmy Garoppolo and, um, you know, I've sort of, you know, just even even the the bold move of getting rid of Jimmy Garoppolo, guys taking the two NFC championships and one Super Bowl in the last uh, three seasons, um, it seems like a strange franchise. But I do think in the end it comes down to faith in Kyle Shanahan's ability to figure it out, faith in his ability to expand on his, you know, best in class running game with it now a quarterback who's a true running threat. Um, I think there will be some rocky moments for the Niners early this season. I think the specter of Garoppolo over Lance's shoulder is going to be a big narrative, a big deal. Um, they lost Mike McDaniel and some other coaches off their offensive staff. They have their first-time coach and Brian Greasy coaching quarterbacks to go with their, their first-year starter in Trey Lance. So I, I don't think it's going to be a smooth ride for the Niners, but I think in the end their talent will win out. They have the best linebackers in the NFL, I think. Um, they did improve at cornerback with Javarius Ward in there, which they really needed. Um, you know, their wide receivers and pass catchers, so long as George Kill can stay healthy or as good as you can get in the NFL. Um, you know, Nick Bosa is, you know, basically a defense unto himself the way he pressures pressures the quarterback. So um I think their talent and I think Shanahan and I think the flaws of the other teams in the NFC when you look at the Packers losing Devontae Adams, you look at uh Tom Brady's strange offseason and the offensive line injuries they've suffered in Tampa. Uh you you know, you look at um you know, the Cowboys, I think, are hamstrung by their coach. I think the Eagles have a great roster. I don't know if Jalen Hurts is ready to make the big-time throws late in games that you need to make. And I think the Rams were, frankly, a bit a bit fortunate to go as far as they did last year. So, um, you know, I just think in the end, I like Shanahan's ability, once they get into the playoffs, to, to out-scheme opponents with the talent that the Niners have. Last uh, prediction from Adam Kilgore is that the Bears are going to pick first in the 2023 NFL Draft, and that is probably going to come true as well. Adam, we'll have to leave it there. Appreciate your time today and enjoy the season. Okay, thank you. You too. Adam Kilgore, sports reporter with the Washington Post. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Today is Disney Plus Day. If you have it, you know it and love it. If you don't, well, you might want to consider at least a test drive because a list of new shows, specials, shorts, and movies expected to drop on the popular streaming service. What is coming up? Well, let's ask a guy in the know. Bill Briu is a TV critic and author. You can find him online at briu.tv. Bill, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm uh, well, Rick. How are you doing? I'm good. So what can we expect to hear and see today on Disney Plus Day? My goodness, it's a, it's just a, a chock full of content. It's really a, a showcases Disney's a wide reach you know there's so many brands under that disney plus umbrella you've got the, the marvel superheroes star wars uh the muppets nat geo and fox you know it's incredible so they really it's no wonder now they're now the biggest worldwide um you know the the, the number of subscribers is 222 million i think which is more than netflix so it's quite a jump for them in in a short time 
Yeah, Pixar's in there, ESPN. They have so many amazing brands. Um, Among the popular shows that have dropped on the streaming service, uh, I think many fans, at least from what I've heard and read over the last couple of days, is that they're they're yearning for some news about The Mandalorian, and another popular show would be Loki, uh, seasons three and two, respectively. Have you heard anything about whether we're going to see something on those? You know what? I don't have any uh, specifics on that. The Mandalorian was such a huge hit. So it is a bit of a mystery why it hasn't come back sooner. Um, but there are some, uh, there is some Star Wars news today, and that's that there's a documentary uh, that focuses on that series Obi Wan Kenobi. You know, uh, with uh, Ewan McGregor, mm-hmm. uh, and, and this documentary shows him sort of reuniting with. Uh, well, Canadian Hayden Christensen, who played Anakin Skywalker. So that's not exactly what the fans want, but it's a sort of behind-the-scenes documentary, so it'll give you a, a, a little bit of time to breathe before the next uh, Mandalorian comes along. Yeah, I saw season one of Obi-Wan uh, last week while on holidays, and another fantastic Star Wars-based show, and really they have an endless supply of characters to do series or seasons on. Oh, there'll be, you know, 15 shows about Wookiees, I'm sure. You know, like it's <laughs> yeah. never going to end. But, you know, they, at Disney, has, so that's just the Star Wars. So you've got sort of the Disney classic brand. And the big news today is Pinocchio, which is a remake of the 1940 classic Disney animated film. I still have nightmares about the whale swallowing uh, <laughs> yep. Pinocchio. Yep. And, you know, it's got Tom Hanks as Geppetto. So big names, but well, I'm curious, is Benjamin Evan Ainsworth, and he's the kid on Son of a Critch, the CBC series, Mark Critch's uh, uh, sitcom, and he voices uh, the wooden puppet Pinocchio. So Robert Zemeckis is directing, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt is the voice of Jiminy Cricket. So uh, quite a, an all-star lineup of talent involved. Yeah, and more often than not, anything that Tom Hanks touches is absolutely golden. Um, not related to Disney Plus Day, we got about a minute to touch on this. The new fall TV season is, is, is coming up, or is at hand, or underway in some cases. Do you have one show that you can't wait to see this fall? Well, honestly, the one I'm most looking forward to is coming up on CBC, and that's Team Canada 72, the Summit yeah. Series. There's a, a four-part documentary on the series that uh, uh, 50 years ago uh, galvanized Canada, and I was 15 at the time, and me and my friends watched it and ripped apart my parents' living room <laughs> on September 28th. So that's probably the biggest. You know, I've seen Monarch, which is a, a country and Western-themed series from Fox. Global has it, and it's uh, uh, Susan Sarandon is one of the leads. And if you miss Dynasty in Dallas and sort of the primetime soaps, uh, that might be for you. Nice. Lots to look forward to. Bill, always appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Rick. Bill Briou, TV critic and author Briou TV. Uh, Briou.tv is the website to go to. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you never miss an episode. And make sure you rate and review.